for all of your Wisconsin Badgers news from the recruiting trail, on the field, and near the rim. This is the Badger Blitz Podcast. If you want to be a Badger, just come along with me by the bright, shiny light of the moon. On Overtime Media. Welcome back, everybody, to yet another edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Of course, powered by Overtime Media, this is Jay Kokorowski. We have John McNamara here in the Vivid Seats studio. And, of course, use promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases. First-time customers only. And, obviously, fans may want to check out Vivid Seats because it is Wisconsin and Michigan to top 15 teams going at it big 10 conference opener yesterday we spoke all men's basketball recruiting with steven Crowell and ben carlson so we we talked with Corey evans from rivals the national basketball analyst great talk and, and by the way folks thank you for making this today a record for most listens in a day for our podcast we appreciate you all for now we're going to go into michigan wisconsin going to break it all down but you know but we're also going to talk about of course being badger blitz being part of rivals we're going to talk some recruiting weekend shenanigans and john kicking it off right away who are the big names to watch this weekend for wisconsin for the 2020 and 2021 recruits who's all coming into town well i'm not going to give you every name uh you know there's there's uh a lot of names that we've been posting to the badgers den i just I'll tell you the one I added just now. I added a kid uh, from from Iowa. Let me. Uh, I know that he camped here this this past summer. Uh, Henry Latowski. Uh, he's an offensive lineman from Iowa, six six, three hundred ten pounds, uh, a three star kid in the twenty twenty one class. So, like I said, I, I just I just added him before we hopped on the podcast. Uh, I added Jerry Cross. Uh, you know, earlier today, the in state wide receiver slash tight end from, from uh, Milwaukee King High School uh, in, in the 2022 class. Uh, you know, if you look at the 2020 class, Caden Johnson's going to be there for an unofficial visit. Uh, Preston Zachman is going to be there for an unofficial visit, uh, possibly a few others. Uh, in the 2021 class, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of kids from that class there. Uh, maybe the headliner, uh, an in-state kid from Muskego, Hunter Wohler. Um, he recently picked up an offer from Ohio State, so uh, this will be a big opportunity for the Wisconsin staff uh, to, you know, make a big step in his recruitment. Uh, Brian Sanborn tweeted out that he'll be here. Uh, he was on our guest list, uh, you know, even before this week started. Uh, obviously, his brother Jack is Wisconsin starting inside linebacker. So, uh, you know, we talked about this a little bit uh, on the previous podcast, but you know, Wisconsin generally chooses one weekend. Uh, to have as their you know kind of big uh, their big time recruiting weekend and it's going to be this weekend against Michigan uh, you know typically they, they like to do it when they have a night game but uh, it doesn't look like they'll they'll have that option this year so um, they're using this uh, this 11 a.m kickoff against Michigan as a big recruiting weekend if, and if you take a look at the full guest list which is on the Badgers den right now uh, you'll, you'll certainly see why uh, you know they, they have a lot of talented kids heading to campus and you know the names I throw out there just just kind of scratching the surface that the guys of Wisconsin expects to be there on Saturday any other for basketball recruits that may be in town as well yeah Jackson Grant uh, a prospect in the 2021 class is expected to take his official visit to Wisconsin 
Um, you know, he's someone that recently picked up an offer from the Badgers and, uh, you know, credit head coach Greg Gard and his staff for, for getting him on campus and locking in that, uh, that official visit. Uh, he's got offers, uh, you know, Oklahoma, Stanford, Washington, San Diego, uh, and, you know, more of those schools on the West Coast. So uh, it'll be interesting to catch up with him, uh, you know, after his visit to see how things went. But, uh, you know, he'll, he'll take that official visit this weekend, and we'll definitely try to catch up with him. Uh, when things wrap up on Sunday. And then also uh, Jordan Davis. Uh, we expect him to be there on campus, but again, he had uh, the collarbone injury. I don't know if that will uh, stop him from coming, but uh, we also expect him to be on campus for his official visit as well. But again, uh, I, I need to touch base with those guys to see if he still plans to make it to campus. And as always, check back with badgerblitz.com. Check the Badgers then. It's a great time to become a member of the Rivals community and a part of the BadgerBlitz.com community. We're going to take you guys to a conversation I had earlier on Thursday with our Rivals cousins at the Wolverine. That's Michigan or Michigan.Rivals.com. And Chris Ballas, he spoke with us at length about just what to expect out of the Michigan Wolverines. We'll take you to that conversation right now on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Joining us on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, of course, powered by Overtime Media, from the Wolverine, we have Chris Ballas. He'll be in Madison. He's traveling on Friday to make his way to the capital city in Wisconsin in the Badger State. And Chris, big matchup, Michigan-Wisconsin top 15 matchup. What's the general feeling over in Ann Arbor about this conference opener? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, that we're probably going to find out a lot about both teams tomorrow and basically Michigan's interior line, how good Wisconsin really is after waxing a couple of opponents that were obviously overmatched, really made a statement, I thought, in their opener at South Florida. One of our young guys here actually bet me straight up on that game, which I uh, so he owes me lunch for the fourth time in a row. But uh, <laughs> I've really thought, I've really been impressed with Wisconsin and, and their running game and Jonathan Taylor. One thing that's going to interest me is is last year's game. Uh, they, I thought they went away from Jonathan a little bit too early and uh, panicked a little bit when they got behind. I don't think that'll be the case this year, especially against Michigan's defensive line, which is revamped. And uh, and how much success Wisconsin has running the ball, I think is going to be one of the keys to this game. So I do think you'll see Michigan open up the offense a little bit more. But what it really comes down to, in my opinion, is is stopping Wisconsin's run game. And does Michigan put some points on the board and open up the offense a little bit more? But expect a, a tight game. I, I have Wisconsin win by three points. It's a tough place to to win, obviously. Michigan hasn't won up there since 2001, and that was almost a fluke, if you remember. I don't know if you're as old as me, but I remember it like it was yesterday. Nice. And uh, so it's, uh, But it's one of those things where uh, they're going to have to play well and, and a lot better than they have in their first two games if they're going to win that game up in Madison. Before we get in talking about the, you know, a little bit more in depth about the offense, and you mentioned a revamped defense with, with so many NFL bound talent departing Ann Arbor. But I always ask about injuries and we know maybe there's a little bit of maybe a cloudiness or we don't necessarily know for sure uh, for Michigan, where who could be available, who will not be available for Saturday's game. But if you could tell us what, you know, who do you feel could play who will not suit up and what could be the impact for Michigan? Yeah, there's uncertainty at the running back position with Zach Charbonnet, Michigan's freshman running back, who has been compared to Mike Hart in that he is ahead of his time when it comes to 
to pass blocking. Mike Hart's obviously Michigan's All-American from 10 years ago, who really excelled as a freshman in 2004. And Zach Charbonnet is Michigan's best all-around back, plain and simple. There was a report actually from a Buckeye writer, believe it or not, that he was going to miss this game and, and probably several more. We have heard that that's not true and that there's a very good possibility that he will play. He won't be 100%, but this is important because if you're going to open up that offense, you need your backs to be able to, to block. And, and the other backs have not proven themselves in that area yet. Charbonnet, again, has been really good in that area. So they need him out there. Uh, if they don't have him, that's going to that's really going to put a, a damper on things in, in terms of the game plan, in my opinion. So uh, he's the big one. Donovan Peoples-Jones is uh, probably one of Michigan's best wide receivers. He has not played yet this year. They've got other great receivers, so his loss wouldn't be huge. But I think he's very questionable with an ankle sprain. Uh, where they really missed him was in punt return. They've had a couple of guys that they've tried back there that have had a hard time handling the ball, so that would be one to watch. Ronnie Bell, a sophomore, is back there handling duties right now after Lavert Hill, senior cornerback, fumbled in the opener against Middle Tennessee State and was replaced. So uh, that's one to watch. And then on the interior line, Mike Dwumfor. This is a big one because he's probably one of their better run stoppers on the interior. He played one play in that Middle Tennessee State game with a big wrap on his arm and looked like he re-injured that arm. So he is uh, very questionable for this game. And that's a, that's a concern because you're talking about you need to all men up uh, at, on the uh, defensive line in order to slow Jonathan Taylor. So he's the one that uh, that we're really concerned about. And then Shea Patterson, Michigan's quarterback, sounds like he's back to, to full strength. He had an oblique injury. The bye week came at a perfect time for him. So he says he's 100%, and his teammates and everybody else we've talked to said he's throwing the ball pretty well in practice. So nothing, uh, nothing extremely major unless Charbonnet can't go. And then, in my opinion, that's a game changer. When it comes to that defense, and you've mentioned about the interior of that line, but you know we also saw Chase Winovich, Grishon Gary, for those Badger fans that are Packer fans in the NFL. Of yeah. course, he's the first-round draft pick for Green Bay. Uh, of course, Devin Bush. How has defensive coordinator Don Brown replaced those three contributors? But you know, where are there the strengths and the defenses, or the strengths and the weaknesses? within this Michigan defense. And I think with the weakness, as you mentioned earlier, it starts maybe with that interior defensive line. Yeah, and that's the big question mark. The interesting part is you've played two offenses right now that are really unconventional. Middle Tennessee State was more of a run and shoot. That defensive line did a great job running to the ball, getting into the backfield. That ball was out so quickly, they didn't have any time to get to the quarterback. They still had a couple of sacks in that game, but uh, the whole game plan was designed to get the ball out of quarterback's hands quickly. So they didn't try to run up the middle at all against Army. That's a different animal when you're playing that triple option. They cut block you. They come right at you, and they held up really well. Actually, Army put up some of its lowest numbers in that game that they had in, in a few years in terms of uh, yards per rush and everything else. And uh, and part of that was because the defensive line uh, was pretty solid. They weren't great, uh, but they were pretty solid. So, But this is the game. And we asked Don Brown, Michigan's defensive coordinator, about this. This is, you know, is it going to be nice? Uh, be careful what you wish for, right? But isn't it going to be nice to get back to a more conventional uh, offense like Wisconsin's? And he said, yeah. He said, I can pull out cards and things that we've been practicing all the time and say, yeah, we can finally use these like we have in our base offense and, and base defense in practice. So, uh, but the key, of course, is to hold up on the interior defensive line. And if you remember, Taylor, I think, ran for 101 yards against Michigan last year on 17 carries. It's not like they stopped him, and I don't think they'll stop him. I think the, the key is to slow him and force some third and longs uh, because I'm telling you, on third and five, you know, that's 
that's a guy you still want to go to, especially if you've got an advantage up front. So that is the key uh, on the edges as well. Uh, if they run to the outside is, is a guy, for example, like Aiden Hutchinson, who's a sophomore going to hold up like Rashawn Gary did on the edge. Rashawn Gary wasn't a great pass rusher at Michigan, but one thing he did well was able to hold that edge. So uh, that's going to be something that we watch as along with the other side as well, where Winovich was, they've got a kid, Quiddy Pay, who's probably as good a pass rusher, but can he hold up against the run? And that's going to be really the telling part about this game is how those guys do up front against Wisconsin's offensive line, which is obviously off to a great start. Going to the flip side, a lot was made in the offseason about the hire of Josh Gaddis as the Michigan offensive coordinator. What could be that potential with this unit based off of what you know about Gaddis? And where have you seen them continuing to improve and try to work on things as they adjust to the new scheme? Yeah, you know, at the first half of the Middle Tennessee State game, we saw the the speed and space, and they really opened it up. Middle Tennessee State was blitzing. Shea Patterson, Michigan's quarterback, was picking it up. They had three touchdown passes over 30 yards in the first half and 200 yards passing, and it looked like, hey, this is exactly what they brought him on board for. Of course, Patterson tightened up, had an oblique injury from the first on the first play of the game. They only threw seven times, I think, in the second half of that game, and and there was a, a time in the second half of that Army game where they ran 13 times in a row, so it was clear that Patterson was off. Uh, it's clear that they're still missing a gear here where they're still getting used to some things, and whether it's, uh, you know, they were without their first-string left tackle, John Runyon Jr., who was a first-team All-Big Ten guy last year, had to plug a redshirt freshman in on the left side. He had a good first game, not so much the second game. When Charbonnet was out of there, their pass, their pass blocking struggled at the running back position with Christian Turner. So um, these are things, it's one little play here, one little play there that they're just missing. They've had some drop passes. They've had fumbles. I think they led the nation in fumbles lost after two weeks with five uh, because uh, they weren't protecting the ball and because the protection wasn't good enough and Patterson got stripped a few times. That's something that they're working on. They understand that they aren't going to win any games. Certainly not going to win in Madison if they don't win the turnover battle or if they lose it by, say, two. So that's the big thing. But they've got great receivers, but uh, some of those guys have got to do a better job hanging on to the ball. Patterson has missed some receivers that have been wide open. Really, they're just a, a tweak or two away, it seems, from getting this thing really clicking. But, you know, when it, after two games, you know you still have a lot of question marks. If we see it for a third game in a row, it's a trend, and you wonder, hey, uh, you know, it, maybe this team just isn't good when it comes to turnovers and protecting the ball. Maybe they, they're just not enough focus there. So this is going to be one of those games that really tells us a lot. These guys are talking big, saying that we want to make a statement, and, uh, you know, they're going to have an opportunity. That's a good Wisconsin football team again and a tough place to play. If they can get off to a, a good start in the Big Ten with a win at Wisconsin, then I think a lot of people will back off a little bit and say, hey, this team's right where it needs to be. How much pressure, in your opinion, is, is Jim Harbaugh under Ohio State has you know, has a new head coach in Ryan Day, though he did act as a head coach when Urban Meyer was suspended last season. But with the new coordinator, the continued success of a defense, despite turning over NFL talent repeatedly, how much pressure is there on Harbaugh, you think, from the outside looking in to deliver, to, to beat the Buckeyes this year, and for that matter, to take the Big Ten East and, and make their way to Indianapolis? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, it's funny. They, they 
Uh, they did win the Big Ten East last year with uh, with Ohio State. They share it. They actually got a trophy, and nobody talks about that. Nor should they when you get beat sixty two to thirty nine. So, but everybody's saying, oh, they haven't won anything, and uh, all that really matters is is beating Ohio State. Let's be honest here, and, and getting to Indianapolis. The fact that they haven't gotten in Indianapolis yet is unbelievable. If you look at the teams that have, that have gotten there, half the Big Ten has gotten there before Michigan, and uh, and of course that's not all Jim Harbaugh. That was a couple of bad hires with Rich Rodriguez and Brady Hoke. And Jim Harbaugh was brought here to first turn it around and get this thing going again and then to win championships. Uh, at the same time, Ohio State's humming, man. If you look at uh, what they've done and the coaches they've had, Jim Trestle and Urban Meyer, yeah, they resigned in disgrace uh, or whatever, but they won. And so there's no excuse. They want to win. But Harbaugh has finished, I think he's number seven. Since he since he came to Michigan, I think he's number seven in the NCAA in terms of total wins, has had three 10-win seasons. And, you know, he came in here when after coming off a five and seven season by Brady Hoke. So he's done some good things. He's recruited pretty well. He's got a very good coaching staff. Now it's time for him to take the next step. I don't think he's under any pressure at all from the administration here. Uh, they love him and they want to see him succeed. They've given every, him everything he needs. Obviously, he's getting the big bucks. He's not getting the big bucks to finish second in the Big Ten East. He's getting the big bucks to win championships. So, yeah, they want to see that. But Athletic Director Ward Manuel has said repeatedly that Jim Harbaugh is my guy. We're going to roll with him. Uh, and, again, they've been recruiting well. So they've got a lot of good young talent in some of the recruiting classes from the last couple of years. We would expect this thing to continue to get better. But, you know, eclipsing Ohio State, man, is not going to be easy. That thing is is humming right now and, and literally probably one of the top five programs in the country. So that's really the next mountain that he's got to climb. And Chris, uh, just a couple more questions before you, we let you go here on the badgerblitz.com podcast. Have you been to Madison before? What are you looking forward <laughs> to here in, obviously I live on the West side of town as we're recording right yeah. now. So maybe I take things for granted, but have you been to Madison and what do you enjoy about this place? I love Madison. We we always go to the Mariners Inn, man, which is I guess on one of the lakes uh, out there. I don't know specifically nice. where it is. We've we've got a subscriber there, and uh, and it's owned by an old Iowa football player. And uh, what a great place, man! I love it. I love the town. I love the college town, and uh, just like Ann Arbor, you know, there's a lot to do. And um, you know, I was there in '93, I think it was when the, was that when they had the the incident on the field when the students there were yep. some students that yep, and that was. Uh, that was scary. And I remember some of the football players telling me afterwards that they were getting hit with batteries and somebody actually dumped a vat of mustard on one of them as they were oh, running serious? onto the field. And he went up and he, and he puked. He said he, he went up at halftime and he puked his guts out. And oh, I think wow. they put the canopy over the tunnel now. So, uh, But it's a great crowd, man. Jump around. What's not to love about that? I'll never forget the first time we were up there in the 90s and that whole press box was swaying and you're thinking, man, this is unbelievable. What an atmosphere. But, uh, you know, going way back to when uh, Wisconsin before Barry Alvarez, uh, you know, they still had a great time uh, even when they were losing. But to see what they've accomplished there, they're kind of like what Michigan used to be. And uh, and you can see uh, just a great college fan base, love the town, love everything about it. In our last question, you already mentioned your prediction in terms of Wisconsin by a field goal. But what's the score and what's, in your opinion, the one thing on each side of the ball fans should watch for in Saturday's game. Yep. 23 to 20. I think that Wisconsin is going to be able to control the tempo of this game better than they did last year. I think they probably learned a little bit uh, that, Hey, we've got Jonathan Taylor and, and they need to run him. doesn't matter down in distance in some occasions. And in, in my, in my opinion, and I think they're going to be able to keep it a lower scoring that way. Uh, Michigan's defensive line against 
Taylor and that Wisconsin offensive line is going to be big. But one thing I would watch for on the Michigan side is uh, do they open it up a little bit more and can they get some more explosive plays? They've got wide receivers that are going to play in the NFL, probably three of them. And if Zach Charbonnet does play and they can get some protection for Shea Patterson, who seems to be healthy, then they can score some points. So that's what they want to do. I don't think you're going to see him be running the ball 13 times in a row. I think that would play right into Wisconsin's hands. They're going to have to spread that defense out a little bit with their new offense and try to make some plays in space and uh, and put a little, few more points on the board. So I'm anticipating a great game, but uh, Wisconsin by a field goal, 23-20. to 20. Safe travels to Wisconsin and looking forward to seeing you in the press box on Saturday morning. Looking forward to meeting you. Thanks so much. Guys, that's Chris Ballas from the Wolverine. We're going to take a quick break. Come back. John and I are going to preview the game, give our predictions here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, powered by Overtime Media. We are back on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Of course, powered by Overtime Media. I am senior writer Jake Kokorowski. We have editor and recruiting analyst John McNamara on the line as well here in the Vivid Seat studio. And also two friends, you know, remember uh, our friends at MyBookie have a special offer for new accounts. Go to MyBookie.ag, use promo code OVERTIME, and they will double your deposit. Just a reminder there. Coming up, though, Saturday morning, number 11, Michigan. Number 13, Wisconsin, or tied for number 13, Wisconsin. You, can, you see it over the air on Fox. You got Gus Johnson coming into town. You can hear on the Badger Radio Network, Matt LePay, Mark Tosher, Mike Lucas, Patrick Herb. And, for, you know, of course, it's going to be a huge game. It's the Big Ten Conference opener. And, John, this is a time where you're going to – this is a good litmus test to see – just where this Wisconsin Badgers program will be heading into the rest of conference play. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, obviously everyone is excited about Wisconsin's start and um, you have a, a really early bye week, uh, you know, which is nice to prepare for Michigan, but I think you maybe would have liked it later in the season, but, you know, regardless, this is a big matchup to start with. And, um, you know, you've, I don't want to say, you know, if you find out if you're for real, you know, I think this, this Wisconsin team is very good. Um, but I think you could find out this season, if, if maybe I shouldn't say this season, this game on Saturday, if, if you're on pace or you, you're maybe on the cusp of a special season. Um, and that, like you said, Jake, this is, this is a huge game here and a nice litmus test to start, but you know, this could be the difference between a good season and a great season. Uh, and, and if you want to have a great season, you need to beat Michigan uh, on Saturday at Camp Randall, because, you know, if you look as the schedule wears on that, that back half, uh, you know, things really kind of amp up towards the, towards the second half of the season. So, uh, like I said, if you want to have a great season, this is a win that you need to have. It really will be a huge win for Wisconsin if they can pull it off because you talk about the ramping up of his, of Wisconsin schedule during the November and late October we're in a stretch right now that Wisconsin has how many weeks at home? They had central Michigan, they had a bye, and then it's Michigan and Northwestern, then Kent state and Michigan state. So you have six weeks, including the bye weekend of some home field advantage. And you do get that off weekend before you take on the Wolverines who, I mean, Jim Harbaugh's program also had a bye, So we didn't get a chance to actually watch them in action this weekend, but, it will, I mean, we've talked about just 
how there could be five or six Big Ten West contenders. And I know in non-conference play, Northwestern hasn't looked good. Minnesota could be 0-3, really, but are undefeated. Purdue's 1-2. and the, you know, Lisco, Nebraska blew a 17-point lead at Colorado and lost in Boulder. Uh, we, you know, Iowa and Wisconsin maybe are the ones taking the, the cake, and, and they've looked the most impressive in the West Division. But everyone talked about before the season began about just how tough Wisconsin's cross-divisional matchups are. And it's Michigan. It's Michigan State. It's Ohio State. And that's why many didn't feel the Badgers would contend in the Big Ten West or would be, they'd contend, but ultimately would not finish in first place that would take the division and go to Indianapolis. Now that we've seen some programs teeter, either, you know, and, and, you know, sputter, I guess that's a good word to put it early on. That's going to be something to watch just to see how these teams gel and who steps up. There are going to be hard games regardless, and the competition is going to amp up a lot. But again, uh, you know, you see right now early on, Wisconsin looks legit. If they can pull off two of those cross-divisional wins, in my opinion, they're in really good position for the West and going forward. But again, a lot can change. It's just one game too. So, you know, there are nine others after this as well. So, um, John, real quick too. I mean, injury report on Thursday, Bryson Williams still out. Same with Luke Benchwell, but then still questionable. Right tackle Logan Bruss, outside linebacker Isaiah Green May with his right arm injury. So not much has changed, and we'll see if they go on Saturday. And let's get to the keys of the game first. You know, we're, we're what we're going to do, folks. We'll do one on offense, one on defense for each of us. John, I'll start off with you. What's the key to the game, in your opinion, for the offense? You know, I think it's get off to a quick start, and obviously you could say that about just just about any game. But you know, with you know, with the hype around this game, you know, with the atmosphere at Camp Randall, um, I, I think if Wisconsin can really get out of the gates, you know, put points up early, um, you know, I think that's going to allow them to do what they want to do on offense, and uh, you know, really kind of set the tone for this game. So, you know, if you think back to the Michigan game at home, uh, you know, a year or two ago, I guess two years ago, uh, Wisconsin came out on top, but, you know, they started kind of slow. I think, I think this Wisconsin team, uh, you know, coming into this game with all the momentum they have, if, if they kind of put their, their foot on the gas pedal and get out to an early lead, uh, I, I really do think they can win. You know, I would, I would say comfortably, you know, I think they have enough weapons on offense uh, and then, and, you know, if you can get Jonathan Taylor going early, I really think Wisconsin can can kind of cruise in this game. But again, I think it's going to take a quick start. And obviously Michigan is the best opponent they've faced so far. But I really do believe that this Wisconsin team can put up points on offense. And if they do that early, um, I, I think they kind of cruise for four quarters here against Michigan. Wow. Okay. Yeah, cruise. Interesting. Yeah, it's, I was going to say, it, I think it's going to be a tougher matchup. And you talked about the talent. There's this – you. The skill set there, you know, just how Michigan recruits. I was going to say my mine would be, you, know, you talk about getting off to the start, uh, to a quick start. I'm talking about Jonathan Taylor and getting him going more in, in both running and the aerial attack because 
We've seen him go over 100 yards in the first two games. He had 102 against Central Michigan, but he also, of course, had that 17-yard touchdown reception, and he was used well in the short yardage positions uh, for that matter. However, you know, one thing you talked with Chris from uh, the Wolverine earlier today, just talking about getting their ground game going, I think that's going to be key. I'm going to piggyback off of that. If Wisconsin can control that line of scrimmage, they are they are without Chase Winovich now. They are without Rashawn Gary, Devin Bush, and there have been players that have stepped up in their place. But this is going to be a test for Michigan to see if they can hold up on the road against a Heisman caliber back. And this is also on the Wisconsin offensive line too, because we've seen you know they they've averaged about 216 yards per game on the ground through two contests and. Those were against group of five schools. Now we've talked about the talent of Michigan and Don Brown is a great defensive coordinator, one of the best in the nation. So my key, get Jonathan Taylor going, going to defense. What is your major key to the game there, John? Uh, Getting to the quarterback. Um, I think that, uh, you know, Wisconsin, if they want to have success on that side of the ball, uh, it's getting to the quarterback and that starts up front with, you know, Garrett Rand and Isaiah Laudermilk. If, if you look back at the Michigan game last year, they they were non-existent there. Not those two in particular, but just the, the pressure on the quarterback. And uh, Shea Patterson really had his way. Um, you know, I think Michigan's going to want to run the, the football. Um, you know, that's no different from any other year, even though they have a new offensive coordinator and, and kind of a new philosophy and scheme there. So, um, you know, I, I think Shea Patterson is going to give you some balls and give you some opportunities to, to create some turnovers. But, you know, if, if the run game is going and he's kind of able to do things with his legs and make easy throws, um, you know, that obviously helps Michigan out a, a ton. So I think if you get to the quarterback, you know, make him throw on the run, you know, get, get some pressure on him. I, I think he's going to give you some opportunities for some turnovers. So, you know, I think my, my biggest thing on defense is, is Wisconsin getting pressure up front. Um, you know, Zach Bond obviously helps there. Maybe a, a healthy Isaiah Gray may, if he's able to go, you know, on third downs helps you out there as well. So getting to the quarterback, I think, is the biggest key on defense this week. I was going to say win the turnover battle. You mentioned that. And Chris also mentioned earlier in the show about, I think Michigan's got five fumbles. They have five, they have, I think, eight fumbles altogether, and they've lost five of them. And they have not thrown an interception yet this season, which may change coming up on Saturday. But, you know, obviously for the defense, win the turnover battle, and that means to create them. But I'll also go somewhere different on the defense where they have to contain Michigan's wide wide receivers. We don't know if Donovan Peoples Jones will play because of his injury, but. It's also nothing where you've seen Tark Black, you've seen, of course, to Ronnie Bell, and they have a good t- set of tight ends and and Nico Collins for that is for that matter as well. And so there's some weapons in that aerial attack of Michigan's that this will be different for Wisconsin's quarterback cornerbacks and safeties to defend. I think they're up for the challenge, but you know Jim Leonard, the defensive co- coordinator for Wisconsin on Tuesday complimented greatly complimented the wide receiver unit for Michigan. I think besides the turnovers, my key, honestly, Wisconsin's got to lock down that pass game because that army game could be drastically different. If Patterson hits, I think it's Ronnie bell on on a pass, if I'm not mistaken in that game, 
Uh, he, there are some missed opportunities there. It could have been drastically different than the the two over the double overtime win a couple weeks back. So on that note, as we're going to wrap up this show, game predictions again, top fifteen matchup, national audience with Fox. What are your game predictions in terms of the score, John? Uh, I'm confident about this game in terms of what Wisconsin is going to be able to do. Um, like I said, I think if they can get out to a quick start, you know, the more and more you look at this game, you know, the more you look back at the last two games, the, the weapons that Wisconsin has on offense. Um, I don't want to say that Michigan's not going to have an answer for it, but I, I think that, you know, the, the balance of Jonathan Taylor, you know, in the backfield and obviously what he can do as a receiver this year, what he, what he's shown. And then, you know, the weapons at Jack Cohn's disposal and his ability to not turn the football over at least through two weeks. Um, you know, that, that's kind of a special unit right now. I think it has a chance to, to really carry Wisconsin this season. Um, so I, I think Wisconsin wins 28 to 13. And it, you know, I, I think that if, if they get out to a quick start, like I said, um, I think they can win comfortably against Michigan, even though I, you know, I think Michigan's is a, is a good football team. I just think this Wisconsin team has a chance to be, to be a special group this year. And like we talked about earlier, you know, can this team be great? They have to win against Michigan to be great. And I think they will. It really is interesting, and I was asked this on one of the radio hits earlier this week about which team may have more at, more at stake here and, or something along those lines. And it, you have Jim Harbaugh and Michigan being so highly touted in the offseason, right, where people are wanting – I mean, they see, I want to say necessarily blood in the water – but as a shark, but Ohio state's transitioned to a new head coach in Ryan day. And they have a new starting quarterback in Justin Fields and that Michigan brings in Josh Gaddis from Alabama as its new offensive coordinator to revitalize it and not be so stagnant and, and introduce new concepts and the RPOs. And so I think there's a lot of momentum building up early on and, and Harbaugh still has not beaten Ohio state. Right. And, to get, they had a chance to go to Indianapolis last year, and they lost. And you know they were co-champions with Ohio State, but Ohio State went on to Indianapolis to represent the East. For that note, so I think the pressure's on for Harbaugh. I think this is a good. I think with the Michigan squad, I personally I think Michigan comes out fighting, and uh, and it's going to be a tough matchup. But I still think I'm with you. I think Wisconsin wins. There, there's Jonathan Taylor there. I think the offensive line has to play a little bit better and gel a little bit more. I, I think special teams could be a huge, huge part of this game. And Wisconsin will need to have Colin Larsh and company on point for this game, uh, whether it's a kickoff game with in the coverage unit there with Zach Hens, the punt game, punt coverage unit with Anthony Lottie. Jack Dunn needs to continue his great start there. I'm going 24-17 because I think Wisconsin's offense is so much different than what it was a season ago. I think they keep Michigan's defense on edge, and I think the defense does just enough there. I, and I had a bold prediction at, was it two weeks, almost two weeks ago now. It was last week during the bye week. I predicted Wisconsin's defense will not give up more than 17 points. I'm sticking with that. 24-17 Badgers. And they, and then my next bold prediction, 
Wisconsin does that, and they're a top 10 team in the nation coming up starting next week when they go on and start preparing for Northwestern. So uh, one last thing before we let you go, John. We talk, you know, we haven't talked about really Ben Bredesen, but obviously an in-state kid from Heartland Arrowhead, one of the few highly recruited linemen to not play for Wisconsin in-state and, of course, went to Michigan. Any memories of, of covering him or what you saw out of him as, you know, coming out of Heartland Arrowhead? Yeah, uh, you know, that was during the Gary Anderson era. Um, and, you know, Anderson and his staff made Bredesen a top priority, so I don't, I don't want to make it sound like they neglected him or didn't do, uh, you know, their due diligence with him. I know that he was, you know, on top of their board from, from the very start. Um, you know, I've talked about, you know, Ben Bredesen's freshman tape uh, before on, on the podcast before and just, you know, just how impressive that was. And, you know, he was a big time prospect really early in the process. Uh, you know, someone that Rivals.com had on their radar from the from the very get go, um, you know, a, a four year varsity start at Arrowhead. Um, and that was when that Arrowhead program was really plugging along. And obviously they're they're still very good. But, you know, you know, before. Kimberly got on its run. Arrowhead was was kind of the school to beat, and you know Bredesen was part of those runs there. Um, so yeah, like you know, like you said, Jake, a really talented kid. Uh, Wisconsin, you know, obviously was you know a big player in his recruitment, but he wound up at Michigan. Uh, his older brother played baseball there, uh, which you know may have been a factor having some familiarity uh, on that campus. But um, you know, a guy that's started a lot of football games for Michigan as well, um, and I think this. You know, I, I shouldn't say I think this. This will be his last crack at Wisconsin, and um, you know, a, you know, one of the very few kids that have left the state with an offer in hand. You know, you think about him. Uh, you think about Trey Waynes, AJ Natter uh, when he wound up at Nebraska. Uh, there, there's just not a whole lot of them. So that you know, that's a credit to you know Barry Alvarez and, and Brett Bielma, uh, the short time that Gary Anderson had there. You, you know, you could say what you want about his view of in-state recruits, and then obviously Paul Christ as well. So there's, there's just not a whole lot of guys that have left the state, but uh, Ben Bredesen is one of them. Uh, and you'll see him on Saturday. And hopefully we'll see you guys down at camp Randall stadium. Again, I'll be down there. Asher Lowe, our intern, one of our staff writers will be down there. We have a couple of photographers down there, Darren Lee, Dan Sanger. And of course we'll come back with another episode probably Sunday-ish, recapping the game, some recruiting breakdowns again, just because we'll have tons of reactions when it comes to what some of these recruits saw in Madison coming up. So again, you guys can find all that too on badgerblitz.com, wisconsin.rivals.com. There's Facebook, Wisconsin Badgers on badgerblitz.com for Twitter, at McNamara Rivals, me at Jake Coco, K-O-C-O, the official BadgerBlitz.com account at Badger underscore Blitz. We also have an Instagram account too. And with this podcast, you guys can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and tune in. Hopefully some more avenues coming up down the road as well. And also feel free to give us reviews. Why? Because it helps us know what we're doing, gives us better feedback, as to what, how to make this show better. So uh, we do love five-star reviews, so please give us uh, those if you'd like, but we also want you to be genuine too. So I'll stop talking. 
Enjoy the game day, folks. We'll be back coming up later this weekend on another edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast powered by Overtime Media.